Hello, hello, everybody. We are back for another week, and we've got two episodes this week, the first of which is my brother, Jesse Elder. Jesse Elder uh, is another Austinite. I think that's what you call him. <laughs> he lives here in the, in the city with me. And um, very, I, mean, I, I met this guy at a little get-together at Aubrey's house and immediately hit it off with him. Um, we dove into his background in martial arts and mixed martial arts. And of course, we touch on these subjects here, but... There's there's a few people that I've met while I've been out here in the last four years where every time I'm with them, they have brand new information that is stuff that I just want to chew through and gnaw on and gobble up and digest as much as possible. And Jesse is one of those few people. Every time I hang with Jesse, I learn something new. And uh, I knew we'd have a lot to talk about just based on our conversations. But it's funny because right when he showed up, <laughs> I had no clue uh, the content that we would be discussing on this podcast. So um, leave it to Jesse. Uh, completely blown away. Uh, in a nutshell, we, I guess we talk about the law of God. Uh, not... Um, not a topic I thought we would go, and I mean law, like actual law, which is funny to say actual law, like literal law, when we're talking about something that um, cannot be proven or named or any of the other things that they say, the Tao that can be named, is that, or the Tao that can, that can be spoken, something like that. There's not the Tao. The Tao that can, that can be spoken is not the Tao. The Tao that cannot be spoken is the Tao. Something like that. Um, anywho, Jesse was just, uh, incredible. He had something right after this, so we keep it short and sweet. And, um, hopefully like a good cliffhanger or a TV show, you're, you're chomping at the bit for more Jesse Elder. I know I'm certainly am. Um, love this guy. Support this podcast by supporting our sponsors. They are fantastic. And, uh, we've got a couple new ones on board and we've got some oldies that are favorites, but this episode is brought to you brought to me brought to us by the cold plunge the coldplunge.com as a matter of fact uh, many of you have heard me discussing the benefits of cold therapy saunas all that stuff wim hof was on rogan's years ago and really blew up the scene with cold therapy and breath work of course and over the years you heard me talk about uh, making your own chest freezer into an ice bath which which works on the cheap and um is an awful lot of work, to be perfectly honest. Uh, I'd have to clean that thing out like once a month, even when I was dumping food-grade hydrogen peroxide in there. It would still get kind of funky, and there was nothing to really filter it. And then these guys come along. The Cold Plunge has made probably the best-looking uh, fitness equipment. I don't even know what you'd call that. The best-looking biohacking equipment. Like It looks gorgeous. I would have this inside my house. I, I actually have it in my garage next to the sauna, but... You could have this anywhere, and it's absolutely gorgeous. It's designed to be outside or inside. It has the best filtration system on the planet plugged into it. You can change out filters, but it uses ozone and a number of other ways to have the cleanest water. I've been using it for months, and I get out of my sauna, which is a hot rock sauna. So I'm in for 220 degrees, and I jump in the cold plunge at 39 degrees, and I've been doing this uh, now for three months. I don't rinse 
when I get out of the sauna. You might think that's gross, but my water in the cold plunge is crystal clear. Doesn't stink, nothing. I don't have to do it now. I'm not, I'm not saying that's going to gonna work out for everybody else. Maybe I've got clean organic nutrients coming out of me when I sweat. I don't know. But in, in my, my uh, experience with these filters, this is the best filtration I've ever seen. It looks absolutely gorgeous, and it's 39 around the clock. The other benefit, as opposed to a chest freezer, is that it's actually moving water. So you never really adjust. I mean, I've been in 33-degree water, and I'm like, after a minute, I'm like, okay, I'm cool. You know, as long as I don't move at all, <laughs> I'm totally good because the water that's around me has effectively matched somewhere closer to my skin, and it's probably not 33 degrees on my skin. But with the water moving in the cold plunge, uh, this this never really gets easy. I mean, every time I'm in there daily, uh, whether I, I get the sauna or not, I'm in the cold plunge every single day. And, uh, you know, people, biohacking is such a weird term, but people are always looking for the next edge. Like, how can I lose fat? How can I lower inflammation? How can I sleep better? How can I reset my circadian rhythm? How can I recover faster from workouts? This is it. This is all of those things in a nutshell. And if I was to invest in my health in any one particular item outside of a kettlebell, it would be this. There's no two ways about it. Um, we, when we look at the modern world and we think about how we've been uh, denatured, I guess you could say, effectively entering into extremes with temperature is one of the best ways to improve longevity, lower all-cause mortality. And of course, these are all things that I'm stating and not the cold plunge, but I'm telling you, there is just, there's nothing that will change your life like this. It is worth every penny. Um, use code KKP at checkout for $111 off. That's KKP at checkout over at thecoldplunge.com. Cold pl- thecoldplunge.com, code KKP at checkout for $111 off. Absolutely phenomenal. Again, uh, we'll link to that in the show notes. We are also brought to you by Lucy. Lucy was developed by Caltech scientists in the Bay, yay! East Bay, uh, who were former smokers looking for a better and cleaner nicotine alternative and researched and developed this for three years. Now, Caltech scientists... I'm sorry, you're all geniuses, obviously, but what kind of tomfoolery led you to want to start smoking? Ridiculous. Uh, I will say, though, nicotine is the best nootropic on the planet, so I can see why these guys wanted to create something that wasn't going to harm their body and was still going to give them the nootropic benefits of nicotine, the gift from Mother Nature, one of the many gifts from Mother Nature. Uh, this stuff is fantastic. They created a gum with four milligrams of nicotine that has three flavors, wintergreen, cinnamon, pomegranate. They also have a lozenge with four migs, cherry ice flavor. These products can be enjoyed anywhere. Flights, at work, on the go, in the gym. I absolutely love it in the gym. You hear me tell you this every other week or whenever these guys are on the show, and I'm promising you this is a fantastic nootropic. For some people, first starting out, you're not going to want to work out on it. It's going to give you a buzz, and you're going to be like, oh, I am just need to chill for a minute, and that's totally cool. But once you get used to this, you're going to notice uh, an extra gear in your head. You're going to notice the ability, especially if you study with this. I mean, all these <laughs> damn kids today and their Adderall, all these damn kids today and their Adderall and energy drinks, you know, pounding five-hour and all this other jazz uh, to keep up with schoolwork. And it's like, I'm not recommending kids do anything with nicotine, but for adults that still need to learn like myself who are reading this stuff will beat anything else on the planet. Do not over caffeinate. Do not, do not down a bunch of nasty stuff with, uh, you know, these other energy drinks, just simply throw in a little Lucy gum, chew on this gum, 
And it stacks with anything else you're doing. So if you're down with sovereignty and some of these other fantastic nootropics, this is the way to go. Visit lucy.co and use code KKP. That is L-U-C-Y dot C-O KKP at checkout. You're getting 20% off everything in the store. Check them out. Uh, you will be pleased. And then, of course, the disclaimer, nicotine is an addictive substance. As uh, you've all heard before, this is true. And, you know, sign me the fuck up, uh, as I should say. Oh, and I am trying. That's right. I don't know. I, I go back and forth on these. I am trying to use less F-bombs. So we'll leave that one in, Roy. No need to edit it out. I got you. I'm still human. All right. If you want to be healthier, one of the best things you can possibly do is get at least seven hours of quality sleep every night. I know it's hard to get that much sleep. Your mind keeps you awake. You can't get comfortable. You wake up early and can't fall asleep again. There are a hundred reasons why you can't get seven hours, which is the minimum of quality sleep every night. But listen, it's super important because your body heals itself when you sleep. And if you're not getting enough quality sleep, you're increasing your risk of dis-ease. You're even making it harder to lose weight. That's right. Rob Wolf said once said, uh, if you're not getting enough sleep, you're effectively cock-blocking your fat loss. That's what he said. I'm not cursing. All right. Would you like to know any easy way to get more quality sleep every single night? Make sure you get enough magnesium. That's it. We had uh, we had Wade Lightheart on the podcast. He is incredible. And we actually spent quite a bit of the pod. I mean, when I have people on who, who uh, have a company, I always like to promote the stuff that they're working on, whether they sponsor the show or not. But I actually wanted to pick Wade's brain on magnesium because it blows my mind how important this nutrient is. And as he mentioned, for the last 60 years, maybe 80 years, we have seen levels of magnesium drop so significantly from our soil due to monocropping and modern agriculture and spraying chemicals in the ground. And we dive into all this on the podcast, but magnesium for sure is not only a critical nutrient, but it's one that you will not get enough of from your food. I don't care if you eat all organic like I do, if you're biodynamic, if you're eating grass-fed organ meat, you're going to get a lot of other nutrients from organs. You're going to get a lot of other nutrients um, in high-quality produce, but you're not going to get magnesium. You're not going to have enough. So make sure you check it out. Go to www.magbreakthrough.com slash kingsboo. That is M-A-G, magbreakthrough slash kingsboo, and use kingsboo10 during checkout to save 10%. kingsboo 10 all caps at checkout. And of course, we'll link to this in the show notes as well. We are also brought to you by Silent Mode. Silent Mode is a peak performance company aiming to help 100 million people. Sorry. 100 million people reduce their resting heart rate by 5%, enabling happier, healthier lives. They believe the combination of music, science, and technology can create a new genre of mental fitness training. I like that term, mental fitness training, which can be practiced at home, at work, or when traveling. By providing access to guided mental fitness workouts delivered through a sensory deprivation device, their toolkit custom builds a custom mental fitness workout program based on biometric feedback to help you breathe, sleep, and nap your way to a better life. There are few technologies that I've tried that had this much, uh, that were A, this enjoyable, and B, this much fun. And C, even for somebody like myself who has experience with a ton of different breathwork modalities, Many, many people know this, like my old strength coach, Jesse Burdick. It's always more fun to do stuff with other people. It's always more fun to be coached. I loved showing up to Jesse Burdick's workouts and looking on the wall and saying, oh, these are our sets and reps for the day. This is what we're doing. This is the cadence. This is who I'm partnered with. 
and let's get after it. I don't have to think about it. I can show up, I'm, asked, I'm, I'm told what to do, and I say yes to that, and there we go. And that's what you get right here uh, with silent mode. I don't have to think, oh, oh, how do I want to do breath work today? What do I need to do? Gear up, gear down. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, I'm going to do uh, five rounds of this style, and then I'm going to box breathe. No, 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 no. I don't want to have to figure all that stuff out, especially if my mind is all over the place. All I want to do is turn my app on, throw on my silent mode mask, and slowly slip away with guided breath work and mental fitness training that allows my body to respond immediately and shift gears. Uh, Brian McKenzie talked about that, a state shift, right? Breathwork allows us a state shift. And these guys have guided breathwork to gear you up. If you've got a big meeting or a podcast or something cool you got to be sharp for, even just getting getting ready to learn, getting ready to sit down and read. Sometimes it's nice to clear your head and tune in to a different frequency. That way you retain the things that you're trying to learn. In addition to that, especially as I talk about this, this uh, ad for myself, I really like to calm down <laughs> and I do a good job of gearing up with the different supplements and things like that. But when I want to slow down, this is an excellent way for me to find myself deep within, connect to my breath and calm my mind so that I can either slip into meditation, a longer form meditation or uh, take a nap or go to bed at night. And this is like nothing else. So check it out. Uh, these guys have a really cool deal. They're going to give you 15% off their power mask, which is their sens sensory deprivation device, and six months free Breathonic subscription over at silentmode.com slash KKP. That's S-I-L-E-N-T-M-O-D-E.com slash KKP. And you're going to use the code word, promo code KKP21. That's KKP21 at checkout, silentmode.com slash KKP. And without further ado, my brother from another mother, we've got some groundbreaking stuff here, Jesse Elder. Jesse Elder, we got to fucking rock and roll it's today, It's time to go, Kyle. We, this is overdue, man. This it's long overdue. overdue. Every time we jam, it's like, shit, I've been recording this. Yes, and literally we have to rock and roll because you got something here at the top of the hour. So yeah, this yeah. is uh, some of my favorite podcasts are Wham Bam, Thank You, Ma'am. Um, we could probably do the whole hour on your backstory, but give us a brief synopsis of your life growing up, your family the schooling and education yeah. that was gifted to you from very intelligent, enlightened beings and uh, what you did with your, with your sovereignty in terms of choosing what to learn, martial arts, and let's fucking dive into the juicy stuff from there that's on. One of the best setups I've ever had, man. It's so good. <laughs> and, and that's one of the things that I really connected with you about is, is like freedom activated, you know, like this concept of freedom. What, the, what does freedom mean if it's not apply it if you don't enjoy it, if there's not traction behind it. And, you know, what you're doing with your family and every conversation we've had is this, this activated freedom, not just some you know, loose metaphysical sort of ethereal feeling. And so I'm the oldest of five. I was born here in Austin and uh, grew up in, in Texas my whole life. And my parents, uh, for whatever reasons, just sort of understood from the very beginning that they, they are not here to raise me. And I had this conversation with them so many times over the years, and I've so I'm just increasing appreciation for them with more, more time that passes, that they just said, you know, we figured you knew what you needed, and we were going to stay out of your way and let you show us how to parent you. And as a result, um, I've never been to school. I've never taken a test or sat behind a desk or gotten a grade. And my childhood was, was um, 
it was remarkable in its in its in its self authorization. You know that there is never a you have to do this. You know, f- like feed the chickens. You know, do the chores. But even that was kind of fun. And my dad, ironically enough, was a school teacher for most of his life, and so he's teaching public school, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, math and Spanish, and because of what he saw happening in the school system. And, and back then it was nothing compared to what it is today. Um, but they said, you know, we don't, my parents said, we don't want our kids to experience this. And so my childhood was, was very rich and very self-guided and all sorts of different experiences of just following what was interesting for me. You know, I was super into snakes and turtles. You know, I went through like this multi-year phase when I was a kid. So I'd go to the library, get every book that I could on snakes tear through them in a week, return them, get another batch of books in. And I remember one time, this is, this sums up the whole sort of educational experience. One time I, I, there was this snake that I needed to know more about and I didn't, couldn't find it in the books. So I told my mom, I'm like, I need to know, like, I have to find out, can we go to the zoo? Because in my little nine-year-old brain, you go and talk to the zookeeper and, and they know like they're the gods of botany and biology. And she's like, no, we're not going to go to the zoo today. I'm like, no, please, can we go to the zoo? She's like, no, we can't go to the zoo. But I bet there's a way you can find what you need. I'm like, how? And she's like, you'll figure it out. No, I just wanted to be told. Like, what do I do? But she was, she was master at asking questions that let me find my own answers. And eventually, through her asking a couple of questions, I realized, oh, I can actually call the zoo. I don't need to be there. I could call the zoo. So now I'm faced with nine years old, the white pages. How do I find the zoo? And she's like, you'll figure it out. <laughs> so never, you know, it wasn't never, but rarely did things for me. And it was more like, if you really want it, you'll figure it out. And we love you. We love you. You can do it. And that was it. So I'm tearing through the zoo, finally find the zoo, finally call the zookeeper and say out of breath, like, my name's Jesse Elder. I've, I've, I, there's a snake that I saw and I'm asking the zookeeper all these questions. And it was such a, an interesting experience of, you know, there's always a way if you want it, you know, if you really want it, there's always a way. And so that led to all sorts of other fascinations. I got into martial arts and I was, when I was a kid, I uh, started training Taekwondo and loved it and did that for 10 years. Started teaching when I was 15. By the time I was 17, I told my parents at the dinner table, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. So I was teaching and riding the bus to go teach all these classes. And one day I had the one of the best experiences of my life. Um, I got baptized in reality because I was at this house party with this girl that I liked. I was 19 years old. And there's a dude at the house party and he's kind of like, give me the stink eye. And I'm telling her, I'm like, what's this guy's deal? And she's like, oh, well, you know, that's, that's my boyfriend. I'm like, what? And I was like equal parts, heartbroken and pissed off and like kind of embarrassed. I'm like, oh shit. So I just told her, I'm like, y'all figure your stuff out. So I leave. Well, I'm walking down the driveway and this, dude jumps on me and just, I'm on the ground. My face is on the pavement like this. And the first thought in my mind is this dude's going to get disqualified. <laughs> that was the first, first thought. This guy is, uh, referee's not going to like that. Because, Dude, I've been fighting in tournaments since I was 10 years old, you know, and you fight in a tournament, you know, in this point karate, sport karate, you know, foam blocks everywhere and tag and stop and tag and all that. And I kept hearing all through my teenage years, hey man, good fight. Good fight. Good fight. Good fight. Well, you hear that a couple hundred times by the time you're 19. Good fight. You think you are a good fighter. But that night I, I realized in, in unignorable fashion 
that everything that I'd been learning was not only worthless, it was worse than worthless because it was actually preventing my own natural instincts. And I probably would have done better on that, you know, on the ground with this guy punching my face in if I would have just had some natural instincts that I hadn't learned to cover up through all of this artistic endeavor. And luckily, you know, people pulled us apart and I'm standing up and I'm just like, flushed with adrenaline and I'm just like, what's going on? And this guy's standing like six feet away and he's before it was cool. You know, now it's cool to be six feet away. Super fashionable. <laughs> so hot right now. So in. <laughs> um, but anyway, this dude's standing there and he's screaming obscenities. I'm going to kill you motherfucker. Da, da, da. And I just do a little counting in my head. Three, two, one. And I just roundhouse kicked him in the head. He drops like a sack of concrete and I bolted over him scared as hell. Like I'd never actually kicked somebody before. So that opened up a whole new way of being for me. It was very uncomfortable because it was like a, like an identity ectomy, you know, just like a total removal of who I was. I was this second degree black belt, Taekwondo. I'm going to open a school. This is my life. And then I re realized um, that I've been lied to, you know, and it wasn't, I didn't think badly of my instructors. I, I loved them and I appreciated them, but I realized they themselves didn't know. Mm -hmm. And they were learning from people who didn't know. And I was just, I just took this little intellectual exit that I never even was aware of that put me in the bad part of town. And the, the exit was, this art will protect you. And it was in that moment I realized, no, this is an art. Oh, shit. And it's about as effective as painting. <laughs> in a real fight. So, you know, this is early nineties and I was very forward. I mean, talk about just like perfect life path. Um, that was right before first UFC came out. So I had a mentor of mine here in Austin who had somehow found the Gracie's. This is like 91, 92. And he had found the Gracie's. So he, and his school, he was doing very well as his Korean martial arts school. So he was flying to Torrance to train with Horian and Hoyce and Hoyler and those guys. Then he would come back and he would message me. He's like, or call me, text back then. And he's like, hey, come up and train. So we go and train. And I just got the shit kicked out of me. I mean, he's tapping me out. I'm helpless. But I realized that this is the only thing that makes sense is to, to start to understand this weird thing called jujitsu. Is it gay? What's going on? Um, so I did it. And he, a couple months later, he pushed me. He said, Hey, there's this competition coming up in Austin. It's called the no games competition. It's like, they're going to have like stick fighting. They're going to bring the dog brothers in and they're going to have submission. You should do it. I'm like, uh, I've only been training for a couple months. And he was like, quit being a pussy. Just jump in there and do it. I'm like, all right. So I entered and I won. I had three matches, tapped all of them out and talk about a confidence boost. I'm like, holy shit, man, this is crazy. And uh, and it was a huge boost for my confidence. You know, I was 19, 20 years old and always had like body image things because I'm, you know, 6'3", 150 pounds and always felt weird about being skinny. But all of a sudden I'm like, oh, wait a minute. First of all, that's a story. Secondly, this is functional as hell. This is yeah. fantastic. Any dude yeah, I'm going to- got all kinds of any, gifts on the ground with guy, a body like that. Any dude I'm going to fight that's my weight is like 5'3". <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and so this is awesome. So anyway, that led to- um, it, it really shook me to the core uh, at, at the level of, of paradigm and really how I was seeing the world. And I, I became much less concerned with what's true and I became obsessed with what's useful. And so instead of saying, is this the truth, the true way to fight? Is this the true religion? Is this a true path to relationship happiness? Is this the true way to 
take care of your body and eat and work out. You know, everybody's convinced this is the truth. This is the way. But then the ego gets so attached to that message and that label, pretty soon you forget that, well, maybe you just got lucky or maybe it only worked on that day. So I began to aggressively split test paradigms and testing everything from, you know, meditation, no meditation. What is this thing called visualization? Um, everything, journaling, personal development, teaching. And eventually I opened my school when I was 23 and started applying those same results to sales and marketing. You know, I didn't know anything about business. I took a class from the small business administration, paid like 50 bucks front row. I'm like, I'm in school now. This is great. This is fantastic. And the, the dude who's teaching it was, I could not think of a less qualified person. This dude is completely out of shape. First of all, I'm like, how can I take anything you say seriously when you look like shit? Like I, I respect that that's your life and everything, but yeah, I'm, I'm having a hard time running this through a filter of qualification. This is not happening. And so I left the class after like an hour and thought if I'm going to fail, I'll, I'll figure it out. So learned how to market, learned how to coach, had great mentors along the way, ended up building the school, made it successful. And then, uh, and then just kept, kept looking for how I can grow. So had a great team of instructors and uh, they all wanted to do what I was doing. So these are my students who from like five, six years old, now they're 12 and 13 and 14 and they want to learn to teach. But I wasn't going to develop the bad habit for them of subsidizing their passion just because they want to teach. And then I'm going to run the sales and marketing doesn't make sense. Like if you want to do this, you have to be the whole package. You need to be able to teach. You need to be able to train. You need to be able to fight. You need to be able to communicate and teach life skills. Cause that's, it's not about punching and kicking and, and, and the techniques. Those are vehicles for teaching life skills. And we're here to amplify confidence that these kids have inside of them. And we're here to really act as a buffer against this world. That's going to tell you that you need to do more to be enough and all this other bullshit. And so I, we developed this army of kids, literally 14, 15, 16 year old kids who could take a stack of guest passes, march down the street and just be so engaging. And hi, have you got one of these yet? Oh, my name's Daniel. I'm an instructor over here at the karate school and we're giving away 30 days of martial arts for free. Isn't that great? And they're just like going to this spiel, come back with an appointment book loaded. Students would come back in, sign up. We taught them to sell to market, to teach, to fight, to train. And eventually we had eight schools and uh, some great business partners. And then um, that, was, that was the chapter for a long time, man. That was the, that was the, that was the run till 2012. And Damn. then uh, I realized that that was done. It was, it was time to do something else. Yeah, that was a big chapter. Yeah. Big chapter. You've covered so much in this, even from the intro. Um, I forgot that was the intro. Yeah, but no, I'm thinking like the very like first minute you were talking about something uh, in regards of uh, application, and it was making me think of of the application. You know, like, like Paul Check always says, you can read all the books in the world, but unless you apply the knowledge, yeah. then you're the smartest guy in the room who doesn't know shit. Oh, right? I like love the that. applied knowledge becomes yes. wisdom. Oh, that's exactly you it. Dude, that's exactly it. And that's, that, that's been the whole focus of my work, especially the last couple of years. Cause I didn't set out to be like this spiritual teacher or this personal development guy. Um, most of that stuff actually grosses me out because, you know, I'll hear somebody who's like, their words are so beautiful, but then I'm looking and they just have like this disembodied blob of a body. I'm like, dude, your words are amazing. And I, I get you're on a different frequency, but some sit-ups or something, you know, like get, get mobile, like use all of, all of what you have. And it's been, it's been challenging for me to, to tame a lot of that judgment 
and to say, okay, well, this, this makes sense. But the people that I respect the most, the people that I love the most are, are those who, exactly as you said, who are committed to the embodiment of these ideas, not just to copying and pasting it and sharing it and, and, and talking about it. Like that's flat, that's boring. And so I, I, I have the exact same thing in a lot of my content, a lot of my courses is which exactly what you said about wisdom. And wisdom is knowledge that's been applied through experience. And then you have the stories and the scars and the embodiment. And then it, it, it permeates everything that you say. And then oftentimes you don't even have to say as much because people just get it. That's one thing I really connected with you when we hung out at Aubrey's that night is like, dude, this dude's embodied. Like he actually lived this stuff. Yeah, brother. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I've had, I've had the same notion, especially around spiritual teachers. Um, probably only with exception of Paul Cech because he walks the walk in all areas and all facets, right? The body is our temple. And, and even if you don't think of it from that context or that quote, the whole point in yoga is to create, use your spine as a tuning fork to be able to tune in, to quiet the mind and to actually be able to sit still in meditation so you can achieve that deeper understanding, the deeper insights, connect to your intuition, your dharma, the daemon, whatever you want to call those yeah. things. And... And it's so overlooked, you know, like whether it's a spiritual teacher from the East or Eckhart Tolle or Dr. Joe Dispenza. And I've, I've learned from all these guys. Sure. I think the thing for me has been to, can I, can I not throw the baby out with the bathwater, connect to their wisdom and still recognize that there is a gaping hole on the fucking whole planet right now of our connection to our food, our connection to the planet itself, what we put in our body, our movement patterns, all these things. I listen to your podcast with Hal Elrod. And you said human beings have basically become the equivalent of houseplants. Yeah. And if they're totally, not watered totally and fed, they're going to yeah. fucking wither away and yeah. die. And I was like, yes. I was like screaming in the truck while I was driving here. I was like, that is fucking brilliant. Yeah. It is so brilliant. Well, look, you have, you've brought some, some documents with you today. Um, yeah, yeah. You're about to do a talk on law. Before we dive into law, let's dive into sovereignty and some of the key pieces and areas that you've been, I mean, you know, we will have many more conversations than this one. So I know people will complain that the, uh, the, the shortness of this, I do plenty of 45, 50 minute podcasts. It's no big deal, but this is a fucking juicy one for, for me, right? Because every time we sit down to talk, there's so much going on in your world, so much going on in my world, and we're starting to connect pieces mm -hmm. with one another that mm -hmm. is very promising, right? Yes. And I really appreciate the work that you're doing, but talk about the last, what the last couple of years has taught you about sovereignty and about where we can really step into owning our own path in life and yes. not worrying about what the fuck is happening yes. in the external world, which yes. is ever present. Yes, love it. So, so, um, We'll actually pick up from 2012 because it transitions briefly in, into where we're at today. Um, being more con more focused on what's useful rather than what's true, um, I I just became really detached from any particular mode of creation. Okay, I have a business that's cool, and it's this vehicle for contribution and connection and and cash flow and all these things. But when I realized that that was done, there was no unknowing that. And so, um, in 2012, I sold the business that opened up all this bandwidth and I was along the way, I'd gotten married and was married for 10 years uh, to an amazing woman. She had three kids already from previous, uh, marriage. And so I was like family dude for like 11 years and we were married for 10 after I sold the business, it opened up all this space 
And I started to realize how far I was in the living of my life compared to the essence of, of Jesse and like who and what I actually am. And that's in no way disrespectful or, or denigrating towards her. We just had different values from the beginning and the stress and strain of me running a business had caused me to not be present to that from, from the beginning. And so long story short, within six months after selling the business, uh, we were separated on our way to getting divorced and the sale of the business essentially went to pay for the divorce. And so, and that was my choice. Like I, I, you know, this wasn't planned. You know, we didn't see this coming. I'm always going to make money. I'm always going to be fine. I want you to be fine. But what that created in 2013 was a total reset. And so I didn't have any money. I had a couple thousand bucks a month coming in. Um, had two clients that I was working with on strategy and mindset and marketing, but I didn't know what else was going on. And that uncertainty is the greatest gift when we don't know exactly how and where and why and who, but we can allow ourselves to step fully into the mystery of that uncertainty, knowing that it always works out. And that might sound, you know, it's super woo woo and just like, Oh, just have faith and God's got your back and all that kind of stuff. But it's fucking true. <laughs> it's absolutely true. Most of us just never are given the gift and the privilege of being able to test that. And so if you're alive and listening to this podcast, odds are every fucked up thing that happened to you yeah. panned out in a way where yes. it worked out because yes. you're listening to you're a here. Pod- you're you're here. To any, not this podcast, right. but any Anything. podcast. Absolutely. You have a fucking cell phone yes. and, and speakers to listen through. Yes. That, sh- that, that shit that was really bad. It yep. worked out in some way. 100%. Even if there's more to uncover and more healing and different perspective to take, yep. it's panning out. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Exactly. It's working <laughs> out fine. So to bring this back around and land this plane around sovereignty, the experience of truly being a powerful individual is something that has been so suppressed and so delegated so that people feel even their own being and their identity and their their identities as a sort of fractured experience. And so then they look for places to plug in to get those basic needs met. And this is part, part you know, we're, we're wired this way. It's our, our DNA. We grew up in these tiny, very close-knit bands of human beings. Everybody had a role. Everybody had a purpose. Um, incidentally, they only work three, four hours a day because you don't need to work more than that when you're not trying to accumulate shit. You're just living and connecting and growing. What I started to understand is that the, the price that one has to pay in order to, to experience themselves as sovereign is a very high price because it requires being completely at peace with other people's disapproval. And in my study and exploration and, and experimentation with freedom, it's occurred to me that there are all sorts of freedoms, financial freedom, time freedom, relationship freedom, freedom within your body. There's all these freedoms. But the greatest freedom is truly allowing other people to just have their own experience. And whatever experience somebody's going to have, that's, that's theirs to have. And I'm, I'm not here to try and change somebody else's experience. And I, this is a, a big deal in social media. I, I did, you know, I've had, had some videos that have, you know, 10, 12 million views. And one of those is on time. And I just did this video on how time is an illusion. Like it's useful, but it's an illusion. People lost their shit, you know, half a million comments. And people are like, this is bullshit. You can't prove that. You're a psycho. And da, 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 da. like 
got crazy triggered. And other people are like, this is the most valuable thing I've ever seen. Like I got messages from people saying I was going to kill myself. And then I watched this video and all of a sudden it's like, I woke up from a dream. Everything makes sense. And I just realized that it's the same video. And one person over here is sending me death threats. And another person over here is, you know, sending a marriage proposal or saying, Hey, you saved my <laughs> life. I'm like, same, same video. They get to have their own experience. And especially in the role of teacher or in, in any leadership position, of course, it's nice and beautiful to hear when you've had a positive impact. But I learned to be, and, and I don't mean this, I, I, this is a still a new awareness for me, so I, I don't know if I have the right words yet, but I, I, I feel as indifferent to someone's positive feedback as I do about their negative feedback because it's simply a unique, individual, real-time, fully felt experience. And I, I, like, I do enjoy seeing people happy, but I don't feel that that has anything to do with me. You're not attached to it. No, no. It's like somebody says, I love your content. It's like, oh, cool, man. But what I'm saying cool to is, doesn't it feel good to love something? Like, I, hope, I would hope you feel the same way about watching a sunrise. It's almost like a pro wrestler's perspective, you know, because heels... Like you, you just want to be over. Like you just want the right. reaction. You don't care yeah. if you're right. the bad guy or the good right. guy. You don't care if you're fucking hated and people right. spit at your face, you know, like right. you want the reaction. Cause that means that whatever you're doing, it, pe- more eyes are on it. It's affecting yeah. people. Yeah. And it's making people think. And so, you know, <clears throat> reserving that level of intimacy and, and genuine care for what people think of me, reserving that for people who are on my like most inner of inner circles, you know, for, um, and it's not always family members, you know, it's not always friends, but there are definitely people that could come into our life that, you know, you do listen to, you know, they, they give you feedback and you, you know, you do take it seriously because you, you know, that they know your heart and they know your, your intention. So the experience, this experience of sovereignty and the, and the actions of sovereignty really do stem from the willingness to continually just allow other people to have their own experience. and. Then along with that, there's, there's like the other side of the coin. If the greatest freedom is allowing other people to have their own experience, then we get to have this other part of, of, of our lives, which is gifts and contribution. And that's so muddled, especially in the marketing and sales world and the world of influence and personal development and all of this, where you know, we think, how can I add value, add value, add value, find the pain point, find a solution, all that kind of stuff. That's cool to the extent and only to the extent that it's joyful. Only to the extent that it feels fucking fun to go teach that class, lead that workout, write that book, do that thing. If it's joy infused, then it's a gift. Otherwise, you're just adding more obligation and commitment and misery to the world because you're participating in this bullshit idea that there is going to be better than here. And you punish yourself into prosperity. How does that make any sense? All you get good at is punishing yourself. So if the action isn't enjoyable, if the work, work isn't fulfilling in every moment, in the before, the during, and the after, then the, the, the fullness of our frequency and our energy and our light and our love is absent. So the greatest gift is the gift of your own joy and fulfillment. The greatest freedom, allow others to have their own experience. And within that, within the, the realm of that spectrum between your gift and your freedom, sovereignty is a, is a self-evident sort of thing. And if we pivot now and veer towards this concept of law, 
what most people think of are laws, they're not laws. They are stories. They are fictions. A law is something that is incontrovertible. A law is something that is immutable. It is permanent. It is fixed. It is unyielding. And, you know, if you're watching this, listen to this, you might think, okay, like gravity, well, sort of. Gravity is more like an agreement that we have on this particular time-space reality because it behaves very differently. Go, you know, go 100 miles east, behaves the same. 100 miles west, behaves the same. Go 100 miles up, behaves totally different. So even gravity isn't a law. Natural law, nature has no lies. So everything in nature is, is telling the truth. Everything in nature is always in harmony with itself. And we are part of nature. So how we got, I want to say roped into, because it does require your consent, but how people got to thinking that others have the ability to create a rule that you then have to follow, whether you signed off on it or not. That is the, that talk about creativity, man. That's, you got to be really genius to invent a system that has people go, oh, cool. I guess I don't know how to run my life. You run my life for me, <laughs> mommy and daddy government. You do it. <laughs> That's cool. But um, it's, it's very simple when, when you just look at the, at the basics. If, if you and I have exactly the same rights, you have the right to move your right arm and your left arm. Nobody else can move it for you. Nobody can move my arms for me. I'm the only one that can move my body. If we take that irrefutable fact and extend that out to include your property, to include your choices, your behaviors, then the only violation of natural law is if you swinging your arm because you feel like it just happens to bump into somebody's you know, mirror on their car, which is their property. And now their property is affected and damaged by, you know, your or my free will choice. Well, now we violated a law, a natural law, do no harm. And if we've caused harm or damage to another living being, then be a decent human being and make it right. Have a communication. What, what can I do to make this right? I'm sorry. But absent a living being who has been damaged by your behavior, there is no violation of law. But what happens is, and this is a, definitely in another episode, but the way that, especially this country and in the United States and America has, has been founded on debt and that debt has just continued to be collateralized and the biggest, bar none, the biggest money-making mechanism is a weaponized legal system. Where laws are passed, they're not really laws, but they're called laws, and laws are passed that people don't know don't apply to them because these laws are created by a whole bunch of people who have exactly zero more rights than you or I, and they're drawing these imaginary circles around your town or around your home or around your name and saying anything in that circle has to abide by what we just said. If, if some dude walked in here right now and we don't know him and he starts yelling at us because we're barefoot, there's two conversations you could probably have at that point. One would be, <laughs> no, 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 dude, no, no, it's okay to be barefoot. See, because, um, see, my shoes are here and, uh, and I, I'm only barefoot because Kyle was barefoot. And, and that's one, the justification conversation. 
Or the more likely conversation with you and I, if some dude walked in and said, you can't wear bare feet, we'd be like, fuck out, man, we're recording. Go. Yeah, beat it, nerd. Yeah, go. You don't have standing here. You don't have the right to tell me what I should and shouldn't do in this space that we've decided to occupy. Now, to, to strain the metaphor a little further, if somebody came up and said, I represent this fictional entity called the government, and we all decided, and it's written down right here where we wrote it, that you are violating this law and you're committing a crime against the state. Timeout essay. There's no way you can commit a crime against the state. The state is a fiction. That's like kicking Mickey Mouse in the balls. Like Mickey Mouse doesn't even exist. How can you kick a fiction in the nuts? You can't. So how can you harm a state? You can't. So I have chosen to only engage in dialogue with living beings. I don't deal with ghosts and I don't deal with fictions. So if a an employee of a corporation, which is a fiction, tells me that I have to do something because I have violated one of their fictional laws, I'm not stepping into that realm as a fiction to then defend my now non-existent rights because I've chosen to give them up. And then I'm not going to be pissed off that somebody violated my rights because I chose to give them away. So the burden is not on me to prove that I'm right. If somebody comes after me and, you know, or a security guard for the, the uh, corporate um, corporation known as City of Austin, if a security guard, aka cop, and I love cops as people, but they're also performing a fictional service. If a cop pulls me over and, and says, um, you know, pulls me over and I roll down the window and I'm like, hey, officer, what's your emergency? Because he's an emergency vehicle. So what's the emergency? If there were to be any sort of dialogue around, you know, we have to arrest you, we have to do this, great, may I see the warrant? And even if they reach into their Kevlar vest and pull out a warrant, I'm, what I'm looking for is, is there a county clerk signature and is there a valid cause of action? Meaning there's an injured party who has gone to the courthouse and said, this guy, Jesse Elder, caused me damage. Here's exactly how and where and when and all of that. The county clerk looks at it, goes, seems legit, signs it, gives the warrant. That's due process. And that's what our lawful system is built on, has been from the very beginning. But if I look at that warrant and, and I tell the cop, I say, man, like I, I really respect that you're doing your job and I know you have a family to feed, but here's the thing. There's no county clerk signature on this. And there's no valid cause of action. So what you're actually doing right now is you're violating U.S. Title 18, Section 241, 242. You're committing a war crime against a civilian population. And brother, that's a 15-year felony. So what you need to do right now is get the DA on the phone, and I want your supervisor here immediately. And you handle the warrant back. Whether he's a good guy or not, they have to follow due process. Most of us don't know what due process is. And we're taught to fear, not not without reason. We're taught to fear somebody that has a gun. And so that was a little tangent, but when you know your rights and you know that you have harmed no living being, then somebody who says, you need to wear a mask, you need to have a vaccine, you need to do this, you need to do that. Great. Since you're the one who's bringing it to my attention, here's my affidavit of status. This is who I am. And it also shows you have 10 days to rebut this affidavit with your own particularities of my offense. How have I offended you? Because if you're operating, if this security guard, store manager, anybody is operating 
on someone else's rule, they're actually committing a fraud and they're operating by hearsay. And then that's illegal. Even under their fake laws, it's illegal to say you did this because of somebody else. Well, time out. You don't have any standing in the matter. You're not the injured party. And yet you're claiming to come after me. If this continues, then I'm going to file a notice of liability against you. And every infraction of that is a $100,000 fine according to my fee schedule. And they will run for the hills, man. <laughs> they all run. Judges run, lawyers run, cops run. They all run because they realize, oh shit, this monkey knows he's not part of the zoo. This is big time. I this mean, is huge. Break us, break us down uh, the document that you brought in because yep. I saw a similar one from Claudia Pavonis and um, on martyleads33.com. I will link to in the show notes. Yep. But, but break this down for us because this is big. I first heard David Icke talking about this and, you know, uh, the problem with David Icke for a lot of people is that he can be a little bit in your face about mm -hmm. the, the darkness in the world. Right. That's what most people have an issue with. My issue with David Icke is that he's right about so much of the shit that he's talking about. That's the bigger problem, mm -hmm. much bigger than his delivery methods. Right. Um, I don't know about reptilians. I don't know about you know bloodlines and Illuminati and any of the other stuff. But I, the stuff that he has has foretold well in advance, mm -hmm. especially within the last year, is fucking frightening. One of the things that he brought up was this idea or, or the, the knowledge around countries as a corporation and how you are basically indoctrinated into that corporation in that system from birth. Since 1933 in this birth country. Birth certificates, yeah. all caps on the names. Uh, you know, we did, and I thought about this because I'd heard this before Wolf was born. Wolf didn't get a birth certificate. Right, she was born at home, and I was like, "Oh, cool! I wonder if she's like one, one fraction less indoctrinated or something like Big that, time. you know." But yes. then, of course, her social security card shows up in the mail, yeah. and it's got all caps, yeah. right? So, to talk break break this down for us yeah. because I think this is super important. It's, yeah. you know, you have such a um, an articulate, and knowledgeable way of communicating things in in that frequency that most people resonate with, mm. right? It's not the doomsday. It's not the fucking this is the best time on the planet. And this is the most abundant time on the planet. And even if you know people get freaked out about finances and stuff, I'm like, do you realize that there's more money circulating now than has ever been circulating in human history? And most of it's been printed in the last six months. So play the game. Take that. And if you want to do the crypto thing, do the crypto thing. But so those are game pieces that represent actual value. The actual value that we have is our own frequency and our own ability to see how we want to contribute and connect to the world. So this law stuff is basically just removing most of the weight that we've been put under for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. And it's actually incredibly simple because once you know who you are and you know who you're not, it's impossible to get you to pretend to be something you're not. So you mentioned the all caps name. This is, this is, uh, we'll definitely dive into this because the history is, is fascinating. Um, and I, and I, I want to be upfront here. I, I have only been studying this for about 150 hours. Like this is relatively new for me. Um, but it's the coolest thing I've ever learned. Second only to understanding vibration and frequency, like how that makes everything work. So if you know who and what you are, which is a natural living being, everything after that, is like aftermarket upgrades or downgrades of, of a society, of a system. And so you just have to apply common sense. So 
let's say somebody ends up before a magistrate and, and they're in a, called a statute court in the United States. There's an, it's an article two court, which is an inferior court. There's article three, which is American equity law court of record. Both of those jurisdictions exist simultaneously, one on top of the other. You're born under American equity law and then through all these different things that are set up or certificates, social security, driver's license, you're also like a beneficiary of those trusts, but you're in both of those courts at the same time. The judge knows it. Everybody knows it. So when the judge says, let's say I go before magistrate and the judge says, Jesse Elder, and I stand up, if I say, yes, your honor, I've just agreed that I am now going to operate in that system representing this fictional corporation. So I would never do that. The judge says, Jesse Elder, and I stand up and I say, hey, Bob, because he doesn't have any honor for me. He's a public servant. So there's no your honor. He's a cross-dresser. I mean, he's wearing this black robe. I'm like, what's going on here? So I'm just like, hey, Bob, that's the matter that I'm here for, meaning the name. But I never authorized for that name to be used for commerce in the corporate state of Texas. So I assume that there's a valid cause of action and that everybody here is sworn in. What you've just done is remained firmly in American equity law, and they now have to prove there's an injured party. They have to prove all this kind of stuff, and they can't because there isn't. Traffic ticket, property taxes, any taxes, um, speeding, masks, all that kind of stuff. There's no injured party. There's not a living being that has standing in the matter, meaning they've been, been harmed. So all they're doing is operating on this monetized, weaponized legal system to just suck money out of you. And now they're freak out because it's checkmate. Now they have to prove that they have jurisdiction over you and they can't. And if they continue, if there's a prosecutor there, public defender or, or prosecutor, um, you, you file a bar grievance against them. They're operating on hearsay. They're not the injured party. They're operating on hearsay, committing mail fraud. They're, they're um, doing so many things. File a bar grievance with the bar. And then they have to report to their insurance company that they just got bar grieved and they might be getting sued. The insurance company raises their rates. If they get bar grieved three times in a year, they lose their insurance. They, can, they are out of a job. So you tell these liars, lawyers, what it is that you're about to do if they want to keep going and then they get to decide. They're totally in control and they will run. They will absolutely run. Um, so these are some of the, the techniques. There's, I'll, I'll give some resources as well uh, before we finish, but it's fascinating how simple this is once you just understand who and what you actually are and just no longer do business with a fiction. Don't do business with a corporation, whether it's a corporation of the United States of America or a corporation of the city of Austin. This is actually in the, in the document here. Um, uh, let's see. I, I, Jesse Elder, a living, breathing, sentient, sentient being on the land, a natural creation of God, and therefore am not and cannot be any artificial person. And therefore, am exempt from any and all identifications, treatments, and requirements as such pursuant to any process, law, code, or statute, or any color thereof. So, like, this is who I am. Um, and then this part, 
where to go. I am not a citizen, resident, subject, taxpayer, uh, taxpayer of the municipal corporations and private corporations doing business as the United States of America, corporate state of Texas, county of Travis, city of Austin, Austin Independent School District, county of Bastrop, which is where my property is at, city of Bastrop, or any other municipal corporation. Nor does my physical location or the physical location of my private property create duties and obligations upon me to the foregoing municipal corporations, which are fictions of law that cannot make claims against a man and his private property. The municipal corporations or private corporations doing business as United States of America, corporate state of Texas, et cetera, possess no interest in my private property, possess no authority to make claims against my private property, and possess no authority or rights whatsoever over myself or my private property. I'm not an expert in law. However, I do know right from wrong. If there is any man damaged by any statements herein, if he will inform me by facts, I will sincerely make every effort to amend my ways. I hereby and herein reserve the right to amend and make amendments to this document as necessary in order that the truth may be ascertained and proceedings justly determined. If the parties given notice by means of this document have information that would controvert and overcome this affidavit, please advise me in written affidavit form within 10 days from receipt hereof. Provide me with your counter affidavit, proving with particularity by stating all requisite actual evidentiary fact and all requisite actual law and not merely the ultimate facts or conclusions of law that this affidavit statement is substantially and materially false enough to change materially my status and factual declarations your silence stands as consent to and tacit approval of the factual declarations herein being established as fact as a matter of law holy shit notarized <laughs> so there's a, a guy that I mean definitely a great resource his name is Alphonse Fagiolo and I learned all of the, a lot of this from him. He's got a great Telegram channel. And, um, and as you mentioned, like, you know, you're like, have you heard of so-and-so, so-and-so? No, I haven't, which is fucking exciting because there's so many people that are now starting to do this. This is the real life matrix. At the end of the day, is there someone damaged by your behavior? If there is, make it right. If there isn't, fuck off. Like that's, it's literally that simple. Yeah. I love that. It brings it back to very, very, very concise, yeah. you know, like and it, and it, just thinking of on the, where people are, you know, in the world right now with, you know, put your fucking mask on, you know, like, and it's, it's like, you know, I'm not hurting anyone, you know, and no. if your masks work, then what are you worried right. about? And you got vaccinated. If that works, what are you worried about? And it's like, well, well, it's not about me. It's about grandma and you're a super spreader and all those other ideas. And it's like, until you can prove totally that me as a healthy individual walking around is a harm to anyone, mm -hmm. which is impossible. Right. That's not how then viruses there's work. There's no fucking argument <laughs> That's here. That's not how viruses right? work. There's no law being broken. There's yep. no anything. Yep. Well, the, the reason is, and we'll kind of, well, maybe we can conclude on this. Um, you know, Abbott, governor of Texas, a couple months ago, you know, rescinded the mask order or the mask mandate. And everybody's celebrating. They're like, yay. I'm like, that's like somebody's kicking you in the nuts. And then they stop and you're like, thank you. It's yeah. like, no. But anyway, the reason he did that, I just found this out last week. The reason he did that is because there's a guy here in Texas named Randy Kelton. Randy filed a 150-page criminal suit against Abbott. Crimes against humanity. One of them was practicing medicine without a license. Oh, shit. The mask is a medical device. So are you a doctor? And you're telling me that I should wear a medical device on my face that's going to restrict my oxygen flow? Can we apply that to Bill Gates, please? Check this out. Um, so the, he puts it, he, he files it with a DA who is a Democrat who just got lost in election. Perfect person to give it to, to to file this against a Republican governor. So the DA is like, cool. And is like on their way out. And they're like, fuck you, fuck you. You're cool. Fuck you. Like that kind of thing. That goes to the grand jury. The grand jury gets this totally legit 150-page document, 
and then says to Abbott, hey, we're going we're gonna to check this out. And Abbott's like, meow. <laughs> hey, guys, just kidding. Y'all, uh, y'all don't need to wear masks anymore. And then 20 states followed suit because they all get together in their little back room, you know, killing goats and sacrificing to Satan or whatever they do. And they just all get together and they're like, oh, shit. The sheep are not sheep, guys. They're fucking great white sharks and they're going to come after me. I can't hide behind this ghost of a government, a state. Those are not real. What's real is human beings. And when one human being realizes their rights and then they go directly to the human being who is affronting them and offending them, that person very quickly realizes all their fictions don't matter. And so it's not about, you don't need to have a militia. You don't need to have thousands of people who are in the streets chanting. That's cool. If it gets you off, go for it. But all it takes is one person who knows their rights and understands the consequences for someone who's going to violate those and is ready to, ready to follow through with it. So it's fascinating stuff. And I'm still like a, not even a blue belt yet. I'm still learning this stuff, but it's fucking exciting. Fuck yeah, brother. Well, we got much, <laughs> much more to dive into, yeah, but you got about 60 seconds here before your next thing. Yeah, I love you, brother. Where can people find you? Um, best place right now is on Telegram, uh, t.me forward slash Jesse Elder. Um, I'm, I'm starting to heat that up. I've been off Facebook um, and probably will stay off of it, but I pop in now uh, once in a while. So Jesse Elder on Facebook or Instagram, Jesse Elder Live. And I'm on uh, Clubhouse at Elder. Phenomenal, brother. Thank you. Awesome, dude. Thank you, man. <laughs>